At the very end of last year, I introduced some terms that carried special meaning during 2020. We kind of looked back on it as the lessons in the lingo of 2020. And, and we took these words and phrases and expressions and applied them to our Christian lives. And some of them were work from home. That was a relatively new concept in 2020. The, the idea of whatever you had to do in an office, now you did from your home. And, and we've really embraced that as a society. And I propose that we should kind of put that in our Christian lives by saying we don't just worship at church. We should worship at home and everywhere else. That doesn't just have to take place in this one spot. And then we should actually do what Jesus said and go, not only work at home or worship at home, but to worship everywhere we are and spread that good news. We, we kind of took a little poke at social distancing, and that was such a new term a year plus ago, right? The idea of six feet away and masked and now look at it, right? But we realize that God is horrible at social distancing. He doesn't want any part of that. He wants to be right there with you where two or more are gathered. He also promises to be with you. This is a covenant promise. It says I will, he will be with you and have a relationship with you forever, okay? And the new normal, I don't know if we're starting to see the new normal yet as things are lightening up a little bit, right? But you know, that's kind of what they say. After this crisis, there'll be a new normal and you're supposed to feel warm and fuzzy about whatever's over the next hill or whatever. But the new normal really should be we've really leaned hard on Jesus and God during this crisis and said, help me stay healthy. You know, deliver my friends who are, who are ill. Um, you know, protect those and keep those safe that are serving our country uh, as, as things have gotten a little out of control. And and I wanted to challenge you to keep that level of faith going forward. You don't have to be in a crisis to really lean on God. And another one, and I had a whole list, but I remember contact tracing because that was really a big deal when, when I shared this message. And it was like, who had you been in contact with? And who could, what is the six degrees of separation that could make you sick? And I, and I said, can God and Jesus be traced through your life? Can you be doing something or saying something to someone and they know because of that you must have been around Jesus or you must believe in Jesus? And I, again, I issued you a challenge. And, and these were some words and we looked at some other ones, fake news and some Trumpisms and, and stuff like that. It's available if you want to look at it. But a word that I did not introduce that week, but certainly has gained some popularity, is this thing called a side hustle. Okay, a side hustle, you can see the definition. It's any type of work undertaken in addition to one's full-time job, Right? So I think of Uber, right? Uber or Lyft or, uh, you know, my, my stepson has is, is embraced uh, DoorDash. He both does it and uses it. Um, you know, and these are things that you can do. It says, you know, generally freelance or piecework, you know, um, side work might have been something else to call it. But side hustles are often things a person is passionate about rather than a typical day job worked in order to make ends meet. So if you're going to do something over and above, there's usually a goal. It's either something I really like or I really need that extra little bit of money. And, and so there's this concept of a side hustle going on right now. And, and again, side hustles are things that people are really passionate about. And this week we're going to talk about side hustles from three different angles. We're going to look at Jesus. We're going to look at his disciples. And then we're going to look at ourselves. So do you remember what Jesus' day job was? Generally believed to be... Carpenter, yeah. Oh, come on with confidence, Becky. Governor. In that, scripture makes reference to Jesus as a carpenter in the Gospels, describing his life. And we know that his earthly, earthly father, Joseph, was a carpenter, and he likely taught Jesus the skills of the trade. And that was, you know, the times that a lot of that was passed from generation to generation. 
And even in gospel, Mark 6, 1 through 3, it says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed, right? This is, the, this is Jesus, this man that they knew in his hometown, and he's like, wow. And they said, where did this man get these things, they asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? So when you look at this, you say, what did Jesus come to do? Or what was his calling? What was his passion? And, and I believe it's safe to assume that Jesus' purpose in the world wasn't to become the world's greatest divine carpenter. Fortunately for us, he had a greater purpose. And let's just walk through some of the verses from 1 John, and we can kind of see what the Bible says. 1 John 3, 5. But you know that he appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Okay? So he came to bear our sins. 1 John 3, 8. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He came to destroy the works of the devil. Keep going, 1 John 4, 9. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him, right? His purpose was to give us eternal life. 1 John 4, 10. This is love, not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins, okay? His purpose was to be an atoning sacrifice, 1 John 4, 14. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent his Son to be the Savior of the world. Wow. Talk about big purpose, right? John 6, 38. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. His purpose was to do his Father's will. He wasn't here on his own to do whatever he wanted to do. He was here for a passion and purpose that was his Father's. We also know from Scripture that he came to save sinners and to demonstrate humility, and of course, to serve. We know that lesson. He came to serve others, and he came to preach the gospel. In fact, it was in Luke 4, 18, 19. He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Okay, Jesus came to do all these things, and and. When you say the oppressed free, I'm not, he's not just talking about freeing slaves. I mean, if you have an anxiousness about you, if you have a fear of something in mind, you're oppressed. He came to relieve you of that oppression, to set you free from the prison of your sin, of your worry. And the biggest thing, he came to reveal God's love. I mean, we know this, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right? And says, For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus may have been a carpenter, but when he hit 30, he picked up the ball and he ran a different direction. The, the one that had his passion, that had his purpose. And this is more than a side hustle for Jesus because it truly was his passion, his calling, his way of life. He didn't just teach it, he demonstrated it by the way he lived. He set aside all of that stuff to go do this. And where a side hustle or even our day jobs have a conclusion, right? At some point, we like to think we get to retire or, or you know, we complete our contract or we go on to other things. 
Jesus is still at work today on your behalf. Jesus didn't retire from the side hustle of saving the world. I mean, Jesus Christ is now the head of the church. In fact, it's in Ephesians 1, 20 through 23, where Paul writes, he said, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. So that's where Jesus is now. Far above all the rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. So Jesus is in this high place forever. It says, and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. We've talked about this. This building is a church. We are a church. And across the world right now, or within an hour one day or the other, the church is gathering all over the world and in homes, watching it online and listening online. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. And he's building his church by, by pouring out gifts of the Holy Spirit on all those. Acts is filled with this. And we're going to do a study on Acts after the first of, or after Easter on the Sunday mornings. We're going to talk about the history of church and Acts. And we're going to get into a little bit of the history of this church and what we believe. Because it's good to have a refresher and say, okay, I know believe that God is good. And the Bible is something I should read. But we're going to talk about why and what we really mean by that. But he's pouring out the gifts of the Holy Spirit into those who believe. He blesses the church. He blesses his children with all of the things you need to fully equip you for his service. And this is my favorite. Jesus Christ is interceding as our mediator. Hebrews 7, 24 through 25. But because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Now, you talked about your, uh, um, the, your family member that is a circuit judge now, right? You know, when you are in front of a judge, you are relying on someone to represent you. You know, and maybe you feel like you can represent yourself, but someone needs to know the system too and, and work, walk you through that. There is no one that I trust more than myself to explain what I'm doing or thinking or whatever. And that doesn't mean I'm right. But when it comes to, to my failings, there's no one I trust more than Jesus to do that. We don't want anybody else to intercede and we don't want to do it on our own. Jesus sits up there and he says, I know this person. And yes, he's messed up. She's messed up. But they've come to me and they've asked for my forgiveness. And God, Father, I can recommend this. I died for this person. That's what he says. He is up there. And again, he didn't get to retire. His job wasn't done when, when he was crucified on the cross. He says he has a permanent priesthood and he can save you completely. Completely. And then again, Jesus Christ hears our prayers and he responds to us. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, Yet he did not sin, right? It's real easy to say, do it perfectly if never been done before, but it's been done before. But he also empathizes. He says, yeah, I've, I was in that world. I remember what it was like to be tempted to do this or do that. He goes, I get it. I've been among them. We were advised to call on the Lord and we're actually advised to pray in his name. In fact, it says, pray, ask your father in my name. Watch what he does. And Jesus Christ strengthens people. We know this, Philippians 4.13, right? I can do all things through him 
who gives me strength. Jesus strengthens you. It's because he equips you. He comforts you. He sent the spirit to dwell within you. And again, Jesus Christ is still at work because he's eagerly waiting all the Christians to join him in heaven, right? Where he will renew our bodies and, and we will be together. It says Philippians 3, 20 through 21, our citizenship is in heaven, right? Citizenship is in heaven, that's where we belong. And we eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Wow. Jesus had a side hustle. He set everything apart that he knew and he traveled and he, and he taught and he lived this life. He was passionate about it. But the other thing he did was he, re, he recruited people. And so here's where the disciples come in. And what were their day jobs? I mean, the Gospels of Mark and John, they are, are two independent witnesses of, of Jesus from a historical aspect. And they both refer to being 12 disciples, right? 12 disciples. So for Matthew 10, 2 through 4, in case you need a refresher, these are the names of the 12 apostles. There was Simon, who was called Peter, brother Andrew, James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. How'd you like that? I had to write that in there. <laughs> right? James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Boy, talk about permanent record of your bad choices. That's right in there. And three of the Gospels tell us that Peter, Andrew, James, and John were all fishermen, right? And we, we heard the story, right? Throw down your nets, leave and be fishers of men, you know, Jesus said. And Matthew was a tax collector. And the vocations of the rest are, are unknown, but it's safe to assume that they were doing something, right? They, were, they had a day job, and likely they had their own vision of what their future would look like. And it probably wasn't setting aside everything and, and wandering around with this man who was performing miracles, but Jesus said, stop what you're doing. Leave everything and follow me. Just right now, come with me. And what were they called to do? Well, primarily they were disciples, so they were called to listen and to learn. And then he came and gave them this great commission that said, go. But because it became their whole life for whatever period of time that they were with Jesus, they were listening and watching and, and applying what they had learned. And when Jesus sat down with them in the upper room and shared a final meal with them, he told them that he'd be leaving them. But his ministry and their work must continue. Upon appearing to them after his resurrection, he made this very clear as he gave them an instruction that we call the Great Commission. He simply said, go. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Turn and recruit others. Share the good news. Do for them what I've been doing for you. Serve them. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And then he adds this. Surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. So Jesus was and is still working. That ministry that he put into motion with his disciples continues on today. How many, or how many disciples were there? Twelve. How many are there now? Twelve. Everybody. Potentially everybody, right? Regardless of what your day job is or was, you know, and we're supposed to work for the Lord, right? We're diligent. We talked about this this morning. If you've got blessings, you know, if, if you've been giving stuff, are you being a good steward of, of those blessings? If you... If, 
you're blessed to have a job, are you giving it 100%? Are you being honest and fair? And if, if, if you're doing other things, you know, you still have to do these things as if you're working for the Lord. But regardless of what that is, whatever your day job looks like, what have you been called to do? Now, whatever the particulars are, these, these are probably unique to you. But in general, as Christians, we're called to share the good news of the gospel. Now, some may be called to teach. Some may be called just to be prepared to share that in a conversation. Some may be called to be missionaries. But we're all called to share the good news. We're all called to be baptized. We're all called to repent. And as a result, we're all called to be saved. God wants us to be with him in heaven. He wants that more than we want that. That's how big of a deal it is. And so he's made pathway for us to be there. And this is what it took. It took his son in order for us to even have that possibility. Why should this be more than a side hustle? Because every part of your life, your day, your thoughts and action, just like the disciples, that is, is what you are. You're a disciple. And every part of that stuff needs to reflect this passion for these things that God has called you to do. So how passionate are you about it? Or more importantly, what are you passionate about? If there's something that feels good and a calling and nudging, whatever that may be, there's a pretty good chance that that is a direction you're called. And not for everybody, it's not, it's not to be a mission on the other side of the world, but there's, there's ways that you can use your gifts and your time and your talents. And I've seen God do wonderful things through the people in this very room, okay? And, and some of them are very subtle, low-key things, but you've been an inspiration or shared a testimony that has impacted a life. To Jesus, his ministry was more than a side hustle, right? It's, it's the reason he came. It was a way of life in the world. It was really a matter of life and death. And, and the hope you have and the faith you maintain, the future that is promised through salvation are the result of his life and his death and his resurrection, who's still hard at work. And scripture reminds us that we are to be like Jesus. First John 2, 6 says, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Now, this is more than just the thou shalt nots. This is the what did Jesus do, right? He served others. He loved others. He comforted others. Philippians 2, 5, Paul says, think the same way that Christ Jesus thought. Now, someone made that a long time ago, right? What would Jesus do? And it kind of became a little thing, but think about that, what that means. In every situation, what would Jesus do? Would, he, would Jesus even be in this situation? Or did I, did I take a little step off the path that I shouldn't have? And if you were able to be like Jesus, then our calling must be more than a side hustle too, right? That doesn't mean we, for, we forgo our day jobs, but is there an opportunity there to be an, a, a witness, to minister to someone, even if they don't even know that's what's going on because of the love and acceptance that you show your, your friends, your neighbors, your, your employees, that they're touched by Jesus, may not even know it. Our ministry and our mission must be a passionate priority for us. And I promise you, God promises you that you'll be blessed for it. See, you've been invited by name. Jesus has called you by name. And he says, you've been called and asked to set aside something to follow him. Okay? And I want you to think about what that is. And I want to invite you, if there's some part of this that, that stirs something in you, if, if you need to think about maybe what it is I'm called to do or maybe you don't quite understand what that is, talk to me. 
You know, there's other opportunities too. You know, we are all called to share the gospel. Are you comfortable with that? That doesn't mean that you need to, to verbatim spit out verses and people get really intimidated. But you know the verses you hang on to, right? You have a favorite. You, you may not even know exactly where it is, but I know somewhere that God says this and that brings me comfort. Are you prepared to share that in an opportunity? That's good stuff. Have you been baptized? Do you need to be baptized? Okay. If it's been a while, you know, if you need, I need to just kickstart my faith again. I need to get back in there with God. Let's talk. Let's talk. But above all else, I just want to encourage everyone for the next two weeks as we prepare for Easter, just to be absolutely prepared to the extent that you can for the gift of the cross. All the junk that clutters your life, that gets in the way, we've talked about these things, holding grudges, not even forgiving yourself, right? Holding, withholding a little bit of trust or faith in someone else or yourself or even God, right? Not loving everybody. Don't let that muck up the works, okay? Some fantastic stuff happened over 2,000 years ago. Waiting for you to claim. Let's pray. Father God, what an amazing gift on the cross. We thank you that you sent your son and we thank you that he was obedient to the point of setting aside his family, his homeland, his profession in order to seek your will and do your will. Lord, we thank you for just the example he lived on this planet. Father, we thank you for the disciples, each one of them, a diverse group of men, and they led so many people into a relationship with Jesus and to you, God. Father, and here we are thousands of years later continuing Jesus's ministry, and we're not doing this alone. Father God, you've equipped us to do exactly what you need us to do. You've got the Holy Spirit working within us, and we've got our Savior, Jesus Christ, up there at your right hand not only guiding and directing us and equipping us, but also interceding for us, our advocate with you when we get a little off. Father God, may we continue to seek him first. May we keep our eyes on heaven and despite the, the joys and setbacks of the world, let us remember where our citizenship is and what the true value in life is. God, may we be changed for this reminder of the message. Lord, that we put you first and we have a hope and a future. And above all else, we have an eternal life in heaven with you. We thank you for this promise. We thank you for all those in our lives that, that have meant so much, that have passed on because we know where they are. We celebrate that too. God, we just thank you and we hope that all that we do honors and glorifies you. Amen.